What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone, welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, we have breaking news tonight in the Kentucky basketball world. We do, Sean. Uh, on one hand, it was expected for one of these guys, but not the other. But without further ado, Kentucky announced tonight through uh, statements, uh, through email and on Twitter, that Rhode Island transferred Jacob Toppin and Wake Forest transfer Olivier Saar are both immediately eligible to play for Kentucky this season. Huge news for the program. Both players is huge news. Uh, Olivier Saar has been the focal point of this entire, well, spring, summer, now fall. We've, we're in three seasons since uh, he committed to Kentucky or transferred to Kentucky back in May. And, Derek, he's, the, he's been the focal point of Kentucky fans and sort of everyone around college basketball was eyeing that waiver, but don't sleep on Jacob Toppin and that news. That's just to have that depth and that option in a year with COVID-19 and all the other uncertainties around it. It's huge. I agree. Uh, I think top or sorry, I think SAR is obviously the far more important piece for this season. Kentucky, you know, hear Calipari talk about it that you can't, you know, if you don't have a post presence, you're a fraud, or however he says it. I'm paraphrasing, maybe, but I'm not gonna. I don't think we've seen enough to de- to determine full out that Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson wouldn't have been enough. But I can tell you, having Olivier Saar there, you do have a proven big man who who can excel at this level. I mean, you saw his numbers at Wake Forest. He was playing on a bad team. I would guess one of the only good players on that team. So teams you know, opposing defenses know what to expect. Yet. He was out there putting up 30 and 17 against Notre Dame, 20 and 13 in the ACC tournament against Pittsburgh. This is a kid, Sean, who was playing his best basketball towards the end of last season and is someone who has really developed a lot over the past few years. And given how quickly Kentucky can kind of accelerate the process for some of these guys, I think he I think he was the most important piece for sure on this year's team. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, they're, they're billed as stars. But – if they're going to win a national championship, get to a Final Four, they have to have somebody that can anchor the paint that has experience, Derek. And this guy did it in the SEC, in the ACC. He he did it in a Power Five conference against Duke, against Notre Dame, against Pittsburgh, against those programs. That those are that's what you look at with this. Jacob Toppin was viewed as a project. That's why they took him initially, but. All these guys are getting eligibility back, Derek. So Jacob Toppin would still be a sophomore next season, but he gets to go through the grind of a season. He gets to sit on the bench and be an option. Who knows? He will play at some point. You know Cal's going to experiment and look at that option. As bouncy and as athletic as he is, Derek, he he may get a shot depending on what happens. Uh, Right now, Keon Brooks is battling an injury, which – Gets me into that. We're going to maybe pick our starting five, and let's just we don't really get to we don't really know 
what we're looking at here, but off the top of our minds, I'm sure we could pick a starting five. I know that's what everybody probably would want us to do because I'm getting a couple of uh, responses like who would be your starting five. But let's start with uh, what Save John Calipari. Save for the Mailback Friday. <laughs> well, well here's, here's what John Calipari had to say. He said, I'm excited for Olivier and Jacob. Both have worked really hard and deserve this opportunity. They were both hopping and skipping out of my office after getting the news because they've been waiting on this day. I want to thank the NCAA and the SEC for considering the unique circumstances surrounding this season, and we appreciate them working with, with us throughout this process. Uh, just huge news, Derek, for Kentucky basketball. But Olivier Saar, where does it change the outlook for this team in your eyes? I know – we were talking off and on throughout this fall and uh, some this summer, too, that with him, Kentucky has a chance to make a run at a Final Four. Without him, it was hard to see anything beyond the Sweet 16 or maybe the right matchup in Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, I think that was even over-optimistic, to be completely honest. I thought without Sar this year, they were going to really struggle to get out of that first weekend just because, I mean – they were going to be thin for one in the front court, and you wouldn't really have a guy. To me, Sar is the kind of guy that when you know you need a bucket and Cal loves going down to the post. I mean, you saw Nick Richards, the offense go through him a lot, particularly uh, that Florida game last year that they came back and won. It was just, you know, Richards got on a little bit of a roll, and, and Cal kind of forced that him down there. I think Sar can be that guy this year that – Maybe you know, we'll have to see what kind of guys Boston and Clark are. Maybe they're both just great scorers, and you won't, they won't be as dependent on the guy like that. But I think, Sean, I think it gives you three legitimate scoring options. Sar, Boston, and uh, Clark. It, and then you've got enough talent. I'm not even talking about Keon Brooks. You know what I mean? Like, Keon could be that guy too. So now you get to, the, like, I think you got three guys for sure who have proved – well, Boston and Clark haven't proven it, but they're ranking – Kind of based on where they are and when you get in the Kentucky system, like I have a lot of confidence that those two guys will be really good this year. So, you know, when I look at this team, I, I don't – Sar's the big deal. I don't I don't want to write top and off just because I don't, I don't know enough about him. I just – given the background, like I, the point that you made, I think is the most important thing this year, that he gets basically a free year where it's almost like the Gatewood example in football. Like maybe you don't use him a ton, but having him is better than nothing. You know, because you're going to get an extra year anyway. So Toppin will be somebody, I think, who really benefits from from this rule. And like you said, any kind of COVID-related things, if there's foul trouble, I think he's going to be used for sure. I just don't know yet what kind of expectations I would even have for a kid like that. Do, do you think he probably gets a shot over some of those freshmen, like a Cameron Fletcher or someone like that, just be, given that he has collegiate experience? I mean, he played at Rhode Island. He played well against yeah. some SEC teams, and I think they played LSU and Alabama, and he played well in both those games. I could see early on, Derek, him getting a chance or an opportunity or a look. Uh, but we mentioned on the first episode today that Isaiah Jackson was a guy that was garnering a lot of praise. And when you add in Olivier Sarr to that, it kind of allows Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware to sort of, I guess, be themselves is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like there's not a ton of pressure – on these two freshmen, this is huge for Kentucky. Like, that's just I've actually. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, well, I was I'm just going to finish my story right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, I'll go ahead real quick. I was just writing my story about about uh, Sar, and that's basically what I put about Jackson and Ware is that you know you're not going to have as much pressure on these kids this year because Sar can shoulder that, whereas you know Jackson, I feel like you can really put them like in 
not necessarily in a box, but like tell Isaiah Jackson, listen, you're our best shot blocker. And when you get in this game, we're going to need you to block shots. We're going to need you to rebound. Anything you do on offense is just a bonus for us. Like really concentrate on these things. Whereas if you didn't have a guy like Sar, don't you think they would have had to maybe ask a little bit more from a guy like him? They would have. And it would have been a ton of pressure. And Kentucky probably doesn't reach their ceiling. And those two players probably don't reach their ceiling. I honestly think that having Sar there alongside them, and someone will come along and probably say, well, it means less playing time for them. That's fine. It doesn't put pressure on those two to be better than what they were supposed to be, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that, Derek, when you look at the way this roster is laid out, we talked to Joel Justice a month or so ago, and he told us that the you know, defensive potential is there. Just given the pieces, knowing what Sar is, yes, I think he blocked 33 shots at Wake Forest last year. I actually think that number might go up at Kentucky, just the way that they played defensively, how they pressure the ball and they depend on the backside uh, to protect the rim. Isaiah Jackson's going to block shots. We've seen Lance Ware in video and photos blocking shots. Derek, I'm going to go out on a limb and make a bold prediction here that if this team figures it out, it will be one of Cal's top five defensive teams that he's had at Kentucky. It'll be one of his better defensive teams, just given the length, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, six, with Terrence Clark, because you mentioned that to me yesterday, that he said he was 6'8", in that interview. That's what he claims. We'll see what he's officially listed as. He's claiming he's 6'8", now. So that could be your two-guard this year, <laughs> who's uh, 6'8". But, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, the kids like Toppin, Brooks, I mean, those are long defenders. Like, this should be – a good unit. We'll see how long it takes. Like to me, the big thing to worry about is is just COVID, how it's going to affect. As it always takes Kentucky a little bit of time anyway, and then you throw in a year like this where you know it's not been normal. It seems like right now they're able, they're able to practice and do a lot of the things they would typically be able to do. But I don't know. Like for me, this team more than any other Cal team that he's had, given the offseason circumstance and how many new guys they have. To me, this is a very much like. You're not going to be able to make a judgment on this team, I think, for a long time, even more than others, good or bad. However, it starts off against Kansas, even if they win. I mean, we saw it the last year's team went out there and beat Michigan State and then had some troubles uh, about a month after that. The whole month of December seemed like it was a little bit rough for those guys. Lost two in Vegas, um, bounced back at the end of that month to beat Louisville, and they really played really well in the SEC. But I don't know. See, like I'm, I'm somebody who – I can't say right now. Like I don't know if it's going to be a, a Final Four type season. I don't know. Like I think though, getting these two guys eligible, I think you're going to see them shoot up in the national rankings a little bit. I don't know yet. I'm trying to think in my mind right now as I talk. Like would I put them above Tennessee now in the SEC? I don't know. I, I really don't. I think those two teams are, are both pretty good. And like I said, I just I kind of want to see Kentucky a little bit and see how these pieces fit. Basically, to me though, Sean, if if Boston or Clark, if they're kind of those dudes that we think they can be. I think there'll be a really, really tough out by the end of the year. They're they're better than Tennessee if Boston and Clark live up to who they're expected to be. They need those two to be stars. That's what this team yeah. needs. If those two are stars, Sar is ever bit the ACC player he was, and you know a dominant all SEC all ACC guy. I think he's an all SEC guy at Kentucky. If they get that, the two stars, and they get really good point guard play, it, does, it doesn't have to be spectacular point guard play. I don't think Marcus Teague was like one of the best point guards Cal's had, but he was good enough to help lead them to a title in 2012. If they just get good point guard play from Askew and Mintz, and it can be collectively. And then we also, I think that you can get to a point late in games where Clark takes the one. 
and then you have Keon coming back. Uh, there's there's plenty of pieces here, Derek. That I think if they if Kentucky's guys reach their potential, I think they have more upside than Tennessee. But no, at the beginning of the year, Tennessee clearly has one of the strongest rosters in college basketball. And if if they played in the first couple of weeks of the season, Tennessee would probably have the edge. But later in the year, if Kentucky reaches its upside, I think that Kentucky will be the better team in the league. Yeah, I think the potential, no, no doubt, the ceiling's higher at Kentucky than it is Tennessee. Although I do think Tennessee's got a chance to – I'll say it, they've never done it. But, like, I think when you look at that roster, I don't see any reason to think that they can't be a Final Four contender. You know what I'm no. saying? I mean, Both both teams have potential to cut down the nets this season, in my opinion. For Tennessee, it's kind of one of those deals where you maybe want to see it first before. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick Tennessee to the Final Four, but – I. I do think that it's not crazy to pick Tennessee over Kentucky at this point in time to win the SEC in the preseason. I mean, that can change. Here's my thing. I mean, a lot of years, Kentucky gets the benefit of the doubt. Nobody ever complains that Kentucky gets picked to win the SEC despite losing their whole team some years. Like, UK fans, I guess, just expect that they should always be number one. And then years where the league isn't very good, I get it. But, like, in the, in the case this year, Tennessee has proven good players back with a recruiting class that was in the top five last year. So, I think – preseason checking off boxes like they 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 check some of the things that you'd want to and given how much Kentucky lost from last season I mean they got one kid back who actually played on last year's team now they got some experience Mintz has played a lot of ball Sars obviously uh a lot of places ranked him as the number one transfer in the market last year so he's a, it's a big deal it's certainly uh like if you're asking me whose roster I'd rather have and given Cal's results like yeah I'd rather have Kentucky's roster but in a preseason top ranking I don't know where I'd go yet. Sean, did you want to pick a top uh, starting five? Sorry. Yeah, let's let's do that. And my starting five is I think it's pretty simple. Uh, I think Devin Askew will eventually win the point guard job at Kentucky. I, th- I think it'll be interesting to watch. I think Davion Mintz could start opening night, but I'm going to go Askew, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Keon Brooks if he's healthy, and Olivier Sar. Yeah, I'm going to go Mintz over Askew um, to start the year. I just think that trust is going to be there. I just think Mintz is the kind of guy that is really going to know his role and is just going to do a great job distributing the ball, running the offense, playing good defense. I really like his fit on this team with uh, Boston and Clark on the wings, and then I agree with you on the front court with uh, Brooks and, and Saar. I could see some scenarios maybe, like like we were talking about, if Clark's able to play the point guard position a little bit, or Boston even, I could see those two guys being there, sliding Brooks out to the three and then playing uh, where or Jackson at the four. And especially if you need a defensive lineup. I think in a defensive lineup, you know, you would want Jackson, in, or yeah, Jackson for sure in there in some role. I mean, this this just gives Calipari a lot of pieces to work with this year. And that's, that's what he likes. I mean, you talk about years where he maybe doesn't use all the scholarship guys. Well, man, he's got a whole bench full this year <laughs> of guys that he can play with. He he certainly does. And uh, Joan Rothstein actually has the same starting five as I predicted. He has Devin Askew at the point, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Keon Brooks, Olivia Sarr. Like you said, though, Derek, it really doesn't matter. Some of those guys are interchangeable. You could start Davion Mintz, and you could move some of those other guys around. But I do think that the starting lineup will have for sure those other four guys. With uh, yeah. Clark, Boston, Brooks, the only one, yeah, that, yeah. That's and Sar, and then uh, after that, it'll just be to me. It's going to be tough to get minutes on this roster, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, Lance Ware, Isaiah Jackson, they're both going to play, but which one of those two emerges, I think will 
will be one of the the biggest storylines. And then the point guard, which one does one take over the job and kind of dominate it, or do they just kind of split that duty and it just be who's playing well? I think with it being a point guard, Derek, that one of those two has to claim it solely and be the guy. I think that's one of the biggest things that Kentucky needs if they want to reach potential is one of those two has to take over the team and be able to play 27, 28 minutes a game on the floor leading it. Now, they could, too, I'll say this, they can play those two guards together. And that's a lineup that I think that we might see at some point is Askew Mintz with Boston and Clark and maybe a big Lexar. That's that's what I want to see Cal do is experiment a little bit and run some different lineups and things like that. And I think that he has the, the option to do that. He can even go big with two of the bigs together. I think the guys who are really going to have to fight for minutes, and it could be a struggle this year, because I think Boston and Clark are going to play. I think they'll lead the team in minutes this year. So they're not going to be off the floor a ton. So that leaves Fletcher, Toppin, and Dante Allen. I think all, like someone's getting left out of that mix, don't you think? Yeah, and, and Dante coming off an injury and stuff, it's, it's going to be hard to get those minutes this season. Fletcher to... But I think all these guys will get opportunities. And it's unfortunate that they don't have the exhibition schedule. So the thing is, Derek, these guys actually have to be really good right away. Because, uh, I mean, they're playing. We'll see when the schedule comes out. It's going to be Moorhead State, Richmond, and Detroit. Uh, Richmond, they they lost one of their best players to the season to a torn ACL the other day. But still, that's a solid quality program. Moorhead State can beat you if you don't play. Uh, Brad Calipari there at Detroit. I think that's probably the easiest game of those three. Uh, then you you'll play Kansas at some point. You'll play Texas at some point. You'll you'll play uh, Louisville is in there. Uh, who else? Georgia Tech. We don't really know every single opponent, but there's games there that these guys have to be really good really soon, a lot sooner than they have to in years past. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to get a lot of people in the mood for basketball season now because. There's really, I mean, the questions that are left is just probably all COVID-related now. I mean, just when's the season going to start? What kind of factors do they have there? There's no more talk of this of hypoth- you know, hypothetical questions on what the roster is going to look like. We know for sure now every player that Calipari has to work with this season. I don't know where I would put it preseason. I mean, I see my mentions right away. You know how it is at Kentucky. People are saying, all right, it's time for number nine. <laughs> now they got these guys eligible. I'm not going to put that kind of expectations on them. I think this will be a good team for Cal. Uh, should be, once again, a contender in the SEC. But obviously at Kentucky, the SEC titles are nice. But the, the main goal is reaching that final weekend of the season. And it's been a little bit, Sean, since they've been there. It has. Uh, this team definitely needs to, or this program needs to get back to a Final Four. Derek, I think with the news of SAR, I do think that I would move Kentucky somewhere into the top six preseason. I think that they, they're worthy somewhere in there. I, I'm not ready to put them number one with the Villanovas or the Baylors. I was supposed to be really good this year, too. John Rothstein, actually, I think he had Iowa at three. You find it interesting that he doesn't have Tennessee in his top ten? I was just thinking that. I guess – by default, with his rankings, he's going to have Kentucky now number one because I know he had Tennessee number one in his SEC preseason power rankings. So you wouldn't put Kentucky at number six and then still put Tennessee above them in another ranking. But, Sean, I guess kind of my closing thoughts for this is that today, and I don't, I'm not saying Kentucky had anything to do with this. I'm just saying it's lining up awfully nice that uh, this is probably the first day of a string of here in the next three or four days of probably a lot of good news for the Kentucky basketball program. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's coming. This is definitely going to be the PR stretch that John Calipari kind of pulls 
it seems like he lines it up intentionally, but this decision, here's the thing, Derek. Did he plan this? Did they get this news a little sooner than just releasing it today? I mean, obviously it didn't just come in as a 7.30 because they had an entire press release written. They had video cut and edited and everything else. So was this a little bit of Cal's gamesmanship and just planning it to line up with Sky Clark announcing tomorrow and then Bryce Hopkins announcing later in the weekend? Uh, you couldn't have put this in a better week for this podcast, though. Kentucky beats Tennessee in football. They go to Missouri and have a winnable game, and now you get Olivier Saar and Jacob Toppin and possibly two big-time commitments. Uh, I'm not complaining about it. No, see, I, don't, I mean, I think I, if it's just part of a coincidence, it lined up really really nice for them. Uh, I don't think they would have kept – I mean, I guess Saar and, Saar and Toppin could have known, and they could have played along with it. I think that's certainly plausible, but I think – Knowing at 19 or 20, 22, however old, I think, I think SARS 21, um, I would have had a hard time, I think, keeping it to myself if I'd have known for a little while. But uh, I, I think they probably found out pretty recently. I think it was probably this week. I don't think they would have had it wait much longer. So great news for those two kids. I mean, I think that's what I'm happiest for is that, you know, SAR, I mean, it was not a slam dunk. Like, I think we should make that clear. Like, there were hurdles to get through. And Cal talked about how difficult it was for Saar in this process. He admitted to me in my Cats Balls interview with him, Sean, that he would not have left Lake Forest had Danny Manning not been fired. So that was a huge break for Cal this year. I mean, they missed out. They wanted uh, Matt Harms. I mean, they wanted him. And it happened with Lake Forest. And they ended up with a better player than Harms. But in a year where it seemed like Kentucky just could not land the guy they wanted in the post – you get this all ACC performer kind of fall into your lap. So I think Cal's a happy camper tonight. It's certainly missing out on Harms, and this is no knock on Harms. Harms is a talented player, but the fit, Olivier Saar, fits so much better than Matt Harms does into what Kentucky wants to do offensively. Uh, This is a uh, big-time breaking news for Kentucky basketball tonight. Uh, Derek? You and I wanted to record something, immediate reaction to this, as we will always do when big things happen. If we can get together, we will record. Uh, But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. Make it out to the Butcher's Pub. They sponsored this episode as well. Two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Get out there this weekend. Watch Kentucky Mizzou, 4 p.m. Eastern time Saturday on the SEC Network. We'll catch you tomorrow. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. 